I don't know about you, but I've always had trouble choosing. Which of the seasons is my favorite? Now, to be clear, this isn't a liturgical season. I'm not talking about the church seasons, but I'm talking about the seasons that occur in our climate. Because each one seems to have its different benefits. Because if we look at winter, there's often that beautiful snowfall that happens every once in a while. Or maybe summer, we're used to all the activities that we do, maybe going on that vacation, or perhaps doing some work on the farm. Or maybe even the fall, those cozy bonfires that we have on a cool, crisp night. But I dare say for myself, I find myself leaning more towards spring all the time. Now think about it, what happens, all the logistics that occur. Because whenever we hit springtime, everything that's been dormant and has appeared dead for the last few months, all of a sudden it springs to life. We see new life all around on the farm, all of these new animals and creatures. All of these things are all happening, that life seems to teem abundantly during that season of spring. But if we think about it, life happens in seasons too. And it's not just about the season of life, and it's not just about the different ages that we go through, but in particular, there's this great paradox between life and death. Life we love to speak about all the time, that it's something that's gorgeous, it's something that's given to us, and it's a great gift to behold. But what about death? Death is something of the elephant in the room. Death is something we don't like to talk about. Death is something that's harsh and it's violent, and it seems that it takes something away from us. Is there something more? Does our Christian faith offer us a different perspective on how to treat death and how it actually leads us to life? Perhaps the readings in the gospel open that up for us just a little bit this morning. We start off this morning and we hear from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel, if we understand the context of who he's speaking to, he's speaking to the Israelite community, but after the Babylonian exile, that they've just experienced this harsh removal from the land of their ancestral heritage, that they've planted themselves for quite some time, that they have land, they have all this, these different possessions, they have a lot of different things going for them, and all of a sudden, just like that, the Babylonian exile happens, and all of a sudden, they find themselves uprooted and taken away. And to be clear, they feel that this is a consequence of their own actions, because they realize they've drifted away from the Lord, that they haven't done what he's been asking them to do, and so they feel that this is punishment, this is consequence, this is God saying, I told you so. But notice, what is the prophet Ezekiel saying? What is he saying that the Lord wishes to relay to them through his own lips? Oh, my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them. That doesn't sound harsh at all. In fact, it sounds like something we wouldn't expect the Lord to say at this point in time. But nonetheless, he realizes where they are. Because to the Israelites, they're as good as dead. They feel that their life has been ripped from them. And so therefore, they just feel that they are as good as gone. That they feel that they have nothing left to live for. But the Lord speaks very tenderly into their hearts. Oh, my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them. I will give you back the land. I will pour out my spirit upon you. You know that I am the Lord. I have promised and I will do it, says the Lord. It's such a tender and beautiful message to a people that need to hear that. But nonetheless, that very powerful line about having graves opened and then people rising. Indeed, that's important for the people at that time, but we'll actually see in just a few moments that that's actually something that's important, not just at their time, but even in the future as well, even into the courses of the New Testament. We move on to the New Testament, though, and we hear St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, and we hear that at the very beginning, 
those of the flesh cannot please God. It's a very powerful line. And now to be clear, like we are a people that live in the flesh, but this is something different that St. Paul is speaking of. He's talking about those that choose by the flesh, those that live according to what their body desires or whatever whim comes their way. That he's talking about those people, that those cannot please God. Those that live by their own will, their own desire, and their own design. Those are not going to do the will of God. But who does? Those that live in the Spirit. Those that choose that Spirit that God has sent amongst us. And those that choose every single day to continue to follow the will of God in their life. And that's important, because it's not just something that the Lord offers to us and tells us, do this or else, but it's something that he gives consequence to, that he gives positive fruit about. Because in fact, as we go through the reading, St. Paul, he's elaborating on why this is important, because the Spirit is there, but ultimately the Spirit that is there is going to lead us to life. Because the very same Lord that gives us that Spirit and raised Jesus from the dead wishes to raise us from the dead also. And so St. Paul is really painting out this picture, the positive fruit of what it is to be a disciple and to continue to follow the Lord day in and day out. And then finally we arrive at the Gospel according to John. Again, this is a lengthy passage, but it's a beautiful one because it tells us that story about how Lazarus rises from the dead by Jesus' own command. At the very beginning, we hear that Lazarus is ill, and so the two sisters, Martha and Mary, send word to our Lord. But what does he do? Something that seems rather odd. He stays there in Judea for a couple of days. We feel that he would probably have more likely or more appropriately have just run over to help assist with Lazarus and to heal him at that moment. But he doesn't. It's rather strange. And then he continues to meander around until it seems that Lazarus has finally died and he tells his disciples that it has occurred. And then he finally goes and appears to Martha and Mary and to that entire village. It's rather odd, but the Lord paints out why. Because he's about the Father's will, that he's going forward and he's manifesting God's power that the people may believe in the Son of Man, that he's trying to lead others to the Lord and to into relationship with him. And so he goes, and at that point, he starts to travel, and he gets to the outside perimeter of the village, and then Martha approaches with this line, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And indeed, that's true. But there's also something else, because we see that Martha at that moment is manifesting faith, at least in some limited way, that she's saying, if you had been here, you could have saved him. But the Lord says to her in reply, your brother will rise. But it's at this point that Martha starts to grapple with what he's saying, because she says with her lips that she believes what he is saying and that whatever he asks of God, he will give him. But it seems that this is impossible. And so there's an element of faith there, but it's very limited. But the Lord continues because Martha sends word to Mary, and Mary approaches the Lord and falls at his feet and has that same line. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we know how sorrowful she was that she was still weeping at this point because Jesus, upon beholding the sight of her weeping and all of the Jewish community with her, he's moved, he's deeply troubled and perturbed. And we're even told that Jesus weeps. It gives testimony to that fact that our Lord was human, that he had the same human nature that we do, that he wept when others did, that he felt the same emotions that we do. 
But there's something else because Jesus is divine. And so, in fact, whenever he sees all of this calamity and he knows what he must do, that he's about his Father's will, he uses that divinity and he uses it well because he raises Lazarus from the dead. He tells them to roll away the stone. Martha objects because she's still struggling with faith. And she says, Lord, he's been dead for four days. By now there will be a stench. This tells us that Lazarus was well and truly dead. He wasn't just asleep. He didn't appear dead. He was dead. And so the Lord still tells them to roll away the stone, and they do. And what does he say? Lazarus, come out. And immediately Lazarus does. This is astounding. It's miraculous. It's something that's never been done before. And yet the Lord still commands, and it happens. And so he's let free from the bonds of even death itself. And it's a powerful moment. But it often seems that so many times when we hear these stories, we think, well, that's great. That's a miracle that happened so long ago. That's something that happened in that particular time, that particular place, that particular culture. But what about right here and right now? What is the Lord saying to us at this very moment? Well, the first is this. Death is a reality. That might seem rather odd, it might seem rather obvious, but it's something that we should be aware of. Because this world at large doesn't really adhere to that belief. That it doesn't acknowledge death, it just simply sees it happening and kind of tries to live in ignorance of it. Because they say, just live and let live. Do whatever you want with this present moment. Live as if the future is not going to happen. But death is coming for each and every one of us. And what a travesty it is if we don't believe that. Because if we don't, then we start to live as if that moment is not going to matter. We start to live as if everything's indifferent. We start to live as St. Paul was encouraging the Romans not to do, according to the flesh. Because we think it doesn't matter. It doesn't, we don't care. Because that moment, it doesn't matter. We haven't paid attention to it. It won't happen. But it still does. And that's the reality that Ezekiel and even St. Paul and Jesus Christ himself are painting out for each and every one of us. That that moment is coming, it's very real, and it's approaching. But there's a catch. We shouldn't have to live in fear and anxiety of that. Because our Lord and even our Christian faith teach us something very different about what death is. That it's not the very end, but it's only the beginning of something else and something much greater than what we can ever conceive. That which eye has never seen before. And so whenever we see death as a reality, so is eternal life. And that is the second point that the Lord really elaborates for us today. That in fact, we are a people not encumbered by death, not ensnared to it, but in fact, we can be liberated by Jesus Christ himself. If we look at the prophet Ezekiel and what he's saying, he's speaking to that people, Oh my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them. He's not just speaking to them. He's speaking about the way that Jesus Christ opens his grave, how he rose again, how he hallowed the graves, not just his own grave, but the graves of all of those who die in Christ. So he's telling us as well that we are to have our graves opened and we are to rise from them also. And so that's a reality for each and every one of us, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he has conquered death itself, and so it has no sway over us if we choose to live by the gospel. And even whenever we behold Lazarus and what happens with that particular encounter, Lazarus is raised from the dead. And that happens in a physical way, but there's a problem because Lazarus has to die again. But he's going to rise again into eternal life. And indeed, that's a powerful moment for us to consider. Because it's not just Lazarus that our Lord is calling out to. 
But he's calling to every single one of us who call ourselves believers, that he wants us all to rise from the grave, that he doesn't want have death to have any sway over us, because indeed we might have fear of death, but if we believe that there's life eternal and life with God, a life of beatitude beyond the grave, then it's not so much something to be feared. Then if death was the end, I dare say we should be anxious, but we shouldn't because our Lord is there. He has conquered even that. That's the second reality, that our Lord gives us life, and he gives us life abundantly, not just in this life, but in the life to come as well. But then there's that final point. What are we to do right here and right now? If we believe death is a reality, if we believe life follows after, what do we need to do to obtain eternal life? And St. Paul tells us that, that we need to live in the Spirit. We need to choose to follow the Lord our God wherever He goes, that we need to forsake the ways of the flesh and the ways of the world and toss those to the side to discard them and truly seek after the Lord and after living in His Spirit. Because St. Paul isn't just speaking to the Church of Rome at that particular time. He's speaking to each and every one of us that if we wish to live forever, we need to choose to live in the Spirit right here, right now. Because if we choose to live in that same spirit that Jesus himself was living in, if we choose to live in that third person of the Trinity, and indeed in Jesus Christ in God the Father as well, well then we know that the same one that rose Jesus from the dead, that allowed for that resurrection, will also bring to us resurrection in the same way, that we will follow after Christ. But it's not something that we can take for granted. It's rather something that we need to work for each and every day that we need to choose to live in the Spirit whenever we get up. And this doesn't need to be large and cumbersome, but this can be something that we do in the smaller moments of life. Whenever those temptations to sin come up, that we say no, that we live according to God's commandments. Or whenever the Lord prompts us to pray for some particular individual, we just feel that desire to be with the Lord in some way, that we start to pray. Or even we read Scripture, we do something more, that we choose to live in the Spirit even in those small steps in daily life that the Lord is putting upon each and every one of our hearts different ways that he wants us to follow after him. We have to choose to live in the Spirit. And it's not just because God says so, but it's because we know that he wants to fill us with the abundance of life, that if we allow God's Spirit in, he can fill us with that life, not just in this life, but in the life to come as well. Because my brothers and sisters, death is very much a reality. It can be a harsh one. It can seem very fear and anxiety inducing, but it doesn't need to be. Because, in fact, our Lord wants to give us life and that encouragement and that hope and that expectation of the kingdom of heaven. Because as much as we're approaching those Easter mysteries where we celebrate life and life abundantly as Jesus blows open the gates of heaven once again, then we're continuing to prepare ourselves for that moment as well. And that's where we want to hear. Are we following the Lord's Spirit right now? Are we choosing to live in the Spirit? Or are there different things that we can do to continue to follow the Lord's path? Because I dare say he wants us all to live that life in the Spirit, not just now, but in the life to come. It's up to us to continue to make those choices day in and day out, so that when that moment of death occurs, that we'll be ready and we'll be found waiting. Because the Lord isn't just calling out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. He's calling to each and every one of us, and he wants us to rise from our own grave as well. My brothers and sisters, winter isn't the end of a season. It isn't the very end of all existence. But we know that springtime follows, and it shows us that life and life abundantly. And the Lord wants to give us the same thing in our own spiritual lives. So the Lord calls out to Lazarus, come out from the grave. 
May each and every one of us hear those words, and may we choose to live in the Spirit so that when our time comes, we can be assured of eternal life.